0: Hello story lovers. I'm coming to you today to talk to you about television writing. I get a lot of questions in my weekly Q&A on Clubhouse about television writing. So I thought I'll do a podcast just like last season where I broke down how to write a feature, um, how to write a screenplay and why you should never Google that. That's I think episode five of last season. It goes through my whole process of writing screenplays. So television writing. Television writing is enormously different than screenwriting. It's not just a matter of, well, I'm going to tell the story shorter or, you know, I have so much content, so maybe instead of just a movie, I'll make it a limited series. You have to understand that television is its own animal it exists on another plane. It's enormously difficult, much, much harder to write television than it is to write features. And that is because of the construct of which it exists that you have to play in. You have to understand what television is, what makes great television, whereas features is an enormously wide array of versions of stories that you could tell in many different ways. Television is a formula. When you follow the formula, it works. And those who know how to take the formula and sort of turn it on its head are the television geniuses, right? When we're watching these shows and we're like, this is so good. Underneath it all, it's really Probably the same formula. And I say this because um, I'm kind of a television snob. I'm not a feature snob. I'm not a movie snob. I'll watch any movie. I don't really hate movies. I mean, that's not true. I take it back. But you know what I'm saying? I'll watch, uh, you know, any kind of entertainment. But television, I will not watch bad TV. Um, and, and when you say bad television, right, you're talking about this formula of television. And so when you take the formula and you go paint by numbers and I'm just going to give it to you the same way, the procedurals, the episodics, all kinds of, you know, television that, that doesn't really dive into the formula and make it their own. That's when you have things that are like bad TV. Like I, I know the formula. So if I give you the formula, the show will work, but that doesn't necessarily mean the content is worthy. And so let me give you this formula. First of all, television is about solving problems. You have to know that right off the bat. All television is solving problems. We turn the TV on because we want to spend time in a world that we love with characters that we love or love to hate and watch them solve problems. That is what TV is. So if you understand that, And you understand that the way that you create television is by creating problems. And then you ask yourself, okay, well, then what is the problem of my entire series? And then break it down further into what will the problems be in each of my episodes? When you start to think like that, you can start to understand television. And if you take it one step further and say, okay, well, what's the format for each episode? I will give you it. Most television, most television, right? There's no hard rule for anything, right? But most successful television follows this formula somewhat. Act one, you state the problem. Act two, you solve the problem. In act three, the problem didn't get solved. Maybe you even made it worse. In act four, you, you find the real solution to the problem. And whether or not it is an episodic, meaning that the storyline will finish and we won't continue on to the next episode, or if the storyline is serialized and this storyline will continue to the next episode, well, then when you leave us, you may have solved the problem of this one episode, but the overarching problem of the series has not been solved. Maybe it's even been made worse in this episode depending on what your story arc is. But that is the formula for TV. Lots of questions about, well, what about the different formats, right? I just gave you a, a four-act structure, right? It's technically a five-act structure. So I gave you the four acts and then each episode will either have a five-page-ish teaser, right? That's the the little lead-in, or it'll have an act five that's usually like a tag on the end, like a music montage at the end or a wrap up, right? So it's usually a teaser plus four or four plus an act five. So that is the general overview of what television is and a structure that you can apply to TV. When you start understanding that, you can start understanding how to write television. But then you say, but 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 television doesn't. You really work in a five act structure anymore. You know, lots of times when you're you're talking about um, premium cable or certainly the streaming, right? We're we're looking at scripts that look like th- um, movies. They look like a three act structure. There's no act break, right? You you pick up the you pick up the pilot. It's sixty pages, and there's no act break. Well, that just means that there's no commercial break. So if you look at network television in the five-act structure, teaser plus four, um, all of those act breaks, you can read those scripts and it'll say end of act one. And then top of act two will start on the next page. Those are technically commercial breaks. When you don't have commercials, you don't necessarily need to write in that style to keep people hanging on at the end of each act so that they'll come back. But you're still going to follow the problem formula. So whether or not you're writing with act breaks or not, it's still, okay, in the beginning, I have to set up the problem. Then I have to come up with solutions. They don't work. That's what gets us through the third section of the, of the script. And then in the end, either it works or it didn't things are either made better or they're made worse. So whether or not you're breaking that up into five sections or just telling it as one whole fluid story, it's still the same formula, the same arc. Also, if you're writing a half hour, it's still the same arc. It's just shorter, right? You have less time. If you're writing a a half hour, you have like five pages Tops to set up the problem and pilots half hour pilots. Now you have five pages to set up an entire world with who the characters are and what they want and need and also what their problems are. That's incredibly difficult to do. Well, a lot of reasons why um, people are successful with television is because they understand the formula. They can speak the television language so that they understand how to write succinctly, so that getting all of that down on the page is possible. When I um, talk about feature writing, and certainly in my workshops, I always say that no detail is arbitrary. I also say that you must learn to, to write in cinematic language, meaning you don't add any extra words. You speak cinematically in television, it's like haiku. It's so short. I mean, you have to look at every single sentence and say, okay, I said that in eight words. How can I say it in four? And when you've done that enough, your mind already thinks that way. And that's when you can really start to get into the rhythm of TV. It's very, very different. Let's talk for a second before we get into um, deeper into storylines of television and all of that. Let's take a break for a second. I'm going to tell you about how do you get staffed, right? This is another big question. I want to get staffed. I want to get into a writer's room. I want to be hired to write for television. also a very different process than becoming a feature writer. Something that I've seen lately that I'd like to address here in this podcast is the misconception that if you have a good pilot, then you deserve to be a showrunner, or you even deserve to be in the writer's room. Like you write a good pilot, that's no, there's no guarantee um, that you will even remain a part of the process of, of of television. You know, that's something that you would have to work for. And so nothing is guaranteed. It's 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 a much harder world to break into. And so when I see (laughs) writers with their pilots saying, can you get this showrunner to read my pilot to try to get my pilot made, and they have never written on a show before, my mind explodes. And I say, you clearly don't understand how this works. You know, you, in order to write on a television show, you have to, to prove yourself as a television writer. Has it been done before? Fine. Sure. But I mean, what are we doing here? Um, are we going to work every day to get better at what we do? Or are we going to shoot for the long shot every single time? Because it's a long shot, unless you have connections, right? Unless you know somebody who can walk you in the door. And you know, you know, those kinds of people, maybe you maybe you have a better in, right? Let's say you don't, let's say you're not, let us say you do not you are just, you just arrived here and you have nobody to call and nobody to talk to, right? What do you do? Well, more than any other aspect of this business, in television writing, there actually is a ladder that you can climb. So you can climb a ladder in television. And the thing that you want to do to get into a writer's room is you want to start as an assistant. You want to start even as a PA. You could start as an office PA. You can start as any kind of PA. It's, 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 if you hang around sets long enough, right? You can find a way to say, Hey, how how can I get a PA job? right and pa jobs suck they are horrible but everybody has everybody should do it everybody has to do it if you don't have any other connections it's the starting ground it's the in you can get in that way how do you meet people on set a great way to meet people on set if you don't have any other connections is to sign up to be an extra so um you can i believe you can get information on where you can apply to Um, central casting, I believe it still is, where you can be an extra and that will get you on set, right? So if you are very nice to people on set and you start, you know, not being intrusive and not being obnoxious, but showing up and doing your job after a couple of months being an extra, you'll start to see familiar faces and you can say, I would like to be a PA. How do I do this? How do I get this job? And hopefully you are a kind, courteous person who does a good job and people will want to help you because let me tell you this, very hard to find people who are kind and courteous and do a good job. I know that sounds crazy. It's a hundred percent true. <laughs> you know show up, be respectful. Be kind and do your damn job better than anybody else and you are going to work your way up the ladder faster, okay? So find an in to be a PA. The easiest way to find an in is to get on a set. The easiest way to get on a set is to be an extra. It sucks. This all sucks, but this is where you start, right? So let's say you get in as a PA right you somewhere on the set Pref, if you can get into be an office PA that's great even the writers room have PAs but you you probably need to start low which is a set PA And then you move up, then you make connections, you meet people, you're kind, you're courteous, you work hard, everybody likes you because you work hard, you get the job done. If you get the job done, you're going to continue to get hired. And then you meet someone from the writer's room and you say, I would like to be a PA in the writer's room. You know, I would like to be the writer's room assistant, like the PA, not a writer's assistant, right? In most writer's room, there's also someone who works sort of in the office of the writer's room running errands. Right? Making the copies, answering the phones, right? Um, See what you can try to get in that way. And then now that you know people, you're showing up, you're being kind, you're being courteous, you're doing a great job, you can put your name in the float your name around for being the writer's assistant. The writer's assistant is the job that you want. You can't walk into Hollywood and say, I want to staff. If you've never written anything before, if you have no credits, you are not going to staff. First of all, if you have no writing credits, you don't know how to staff. So just that's that. I mean, I have met crazy people, just psychotic people <laughs> who they don't, they don't know how to write a television show. And they're asking, how can I get into a, um, a writer's room? So you have to understand that there is a ladder that you can climb. And so the writer's assistant job is what you want. If you have a connection to get you a writer's assistant job, please use that connection to get you a writer's assistant job. For instance, case in point, someone had a connection to a showrunner on a show. They worked on the show in another department. They became friendly with the showrunner. They know the showrunner they have the opportunity to ask the showrunner. If you get one thing out of this whole podcast episode, it's this, be smart with your asks. If you have a connection to someone, you have to be smart and you have to be realistic and you have to understand how the business works so that when you have the opportunity to ask, you are smart with your ask. And so if you have no credits, you have no experience, but you have an in with a showrunner, the ask is to get you into the writer's room as a writer's assistant. That's the ask. Unless you've written five different pilots, unless you have pilots that sold, came close to selling, you are repped. Right? If you don't, if you're not there yet, you're not ready to staff. The ask is to get you in the writer's room. And if if you haven't PA'd, or you haven't even been around anything, anywhere, the ask is to be a PA, right? So that's the latter. So when you're a writer's assistant, and you're being kind and courteous and working your ass off harder than everybody else, what you're going to do is you're going to be responsible for keeping the notes of the story room. Every, Every writer's room works different Right, so you know every writer's room is its own animal, but for the most part, the writer's assistant job is to um, you're you're the assistant to all the writers. You're not getting coffee, although sometimes you might have to get coffee. But the 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 job is not personal assistant. You are the the writer's assistant, meaning that you're keeping all the notes in the room, you're keeping the notes organized. Um, every single story meeting, you're taking the minutes. It would be like you're taking the minutes of the meeting and you're keeping track of all the story ideas. If you can do this job well, you will move up. It will take time, but you will move up because you'll start to learn story and you'll start to learn the language of television. And and that's, that's the job you want. So before I moved on to how do you structure um, season storyline arcs, I wanted to just say this, there's a hierarchy to television. And if you want to be a television writer, it's not just about learning how to write television pilots. It's also about really understanding the intricacies of the television business and the ladder and the hierarchy of it. All right. So let's move on now. So now I've talked to you about television formula, the problems of the episode, the problems of your season and the problem of your series, right? So um, Breaking Bad is the easiest example of this. Um, It's not only is it a brilliant show, it is fantastic television, right? So the the problem of the series is twofold. Will Walter White be successful and live (laughs) or end? will Walter White be able to keep his family life separate from his drug life, right? From his criminal life. So it's that show is always operating on two levels. Will he be able to keep his family life separate and will he survive? That is the whole entire show. And on season one, it starts out, these problems are small, right? But each season, it gets more dangerous and more dangerous and more dangerous until the final season. And so that is the formula of Breaking Bad that created episode after episode that took us through five seasons. And so that is the reason why people look to Breaking Bad and say that it is genius, because not only was it great characters, great storytelling, so many themes being explored so that you felt you knew it was about something, everything was connected by a theme. It also took the formula of television and used it to tell great stories. It gave us what we want in a very exciting way because what we want is what we know. That's why we watch television. We go to the movies to see something new. We turn on the TV because we want to hang out with the people that we know, right? If we start a new television show, right? Start a brand new show. You turn it on. If you don't like the world, you're not watching it. If you like, oh, I don't want to watch this world. I don't want to hang out in this world. I don't want to hang out with these people. You either want to hang out in the world with those people or you don't. That's That's television. So we want the formula. We want it. And we will eat it up if you give it to us in a way that we don't expect. But the minute you start messing around with the formula, we go, this is weird. What is this show? <laughs> Maybe some people might like it, right? <laughs> but for the most part, people don't want it. We go to TV because we want to get what we know. It's our comfort. So we have our problems of the series. If you're, if you're in a writer's room, right? You'll probably write maybe on a big whiteboard, the problem of the series. And then you'll probably write the problem of season one, right? As the big overarching ideas. And then every single episode will have their own problem. So the problem of the pilot. What is the problem of your pilot that represents the overall arcing story of the whole series. So there's a much more intricate discussion here about what makes a great pilot. I'm not going to get into that right now because I don't want this podcast to to be two hours long, (laughs) but um, I will leave the intricacies of exactly what a great pilot is for another time. But for right now, I will tell you how to structure out a television show in general. In short, a great pilot is a microcosm of the whole show. And and you could really break that down and uh, and see what makes a great pilot great. So let's say, though, it's just a regular episode. You've already written your pilot. You already know what your show is. You're up and running. Okay, What what is my problem of the episode right now? In television, you have different storylines, right? In in features, we call them points of view. Who, who are your points of view? Who are you going home with? Whose story arcs are we following, right? In television, points of view are technically called storylines. So what are your storylines? So you'll have an A storyline, a B storyline, a C storyline. Some shows have D and E storylines. Your A storyline is your main character. They'll have the most beats in your episode, maybe like, I don't know, 15 to 18 beats in your episode, right? Your B storyline will have like 12 beats, right? That's your second character. And then the C storyline, if you have the kind of show that has a lot of people in it, maybe the C storyline is like revolves around the tertiary characters each week, or it's always the one character that is, you know, on the sidelines, right? But we follow them. We care about them. They just don't get as much attention as A and B storylines. They'll be in there with like three or four beats, maybe. I'm going to say, this is what my problem is for the A story. My problem is my main character, A story. They need to have a problem of this episode. They need to solve something very specific. You then have to do that exact same thing for all of your other storylines for each episode. So then you would look at your B story and say, who is my secondary character? What is their problem for the episode? And so on and so on and so on. So when you're in your writer's room, before you think about anything, before you think about writing, before you think about what the episode looks like, you're thinking about your storylines first. Who are your characters? What are their storylines? And you beat out the storylines separately. So you say the A storyline, if you work with cards, if you know about cards, I hope you do by now, if you've been listening to this podcast, um, you would take your cork board, you'd put an index card and you'd say A story and vertically, right? Vertically, you'll tell me the whole A story in cards for your main character, right? Then next to that, you'll say B story and vertically, you'll then card out the B story for just that character, just what happens in those storylines and so on and so forth, right? Once you have all that done and you can see the, the characters and you know that they have a solid arc for the episode and it's strong and it's compelling... And it's also cause and effect. Every scene is causing the next scene to happen because we never lose sight of that. Then you can go, okay, now what does my episode look like? Do I start with the A storyline? Do I start with the B story? Who opens the episode? It's usually the A story, right? Sometimes it's not. You say, okay, I'm going to take the first card from the A storyline. That's scene one. And I'm going to take it and put it on a separate corkboard. And I'm going to, on my corkboard, it says act one, bam. First scene is my A storyline. And then I'm looking at that. I'm looking at all three storylines and I'm saying, okay, do I want to stay with the A story or do now, do I want to cut to the next character and see that character in action? And you do that for each and every card in the storyline so that by the end, you're looking at the other cork board with acts one through five with all the cards laid out and what the episode actually looks like. And that's, that's television. And that's how hard it is. Um, it sounds complicated, what I'm saying. Maybe when you're listening to it, it sounds complicated. But if you get some index cards out and, and do what I'm saying to do, you'll see it visually very clearly what I'm talking about. The other thing I want to talk to you about before I leave you with these television thoughts, great stories work on two levels literal and emotional. This is for features. This is also for television, literal and emotional. They're just like Walter White, you know, will he be able to stay alive? Will he keep his family life separate? That's sort of the emotional question you could say, you know, emotionally, what's going on for him with him is, I have to stay on top, I have to make this money so that when I die, I'm leaving my wife and child with something, that's certainly how it starts out, and then it evolves from there, and will I keep them separate from it, because I don't want them to know that this is what I'm doing, and so the emotional stakes in him being able to keep that separate is what makes that, that, that emotional question so strong. All the great television usually works in that way. What's the plot, but underneath it, why do the what's at stake for the characters so that we care about the plot? That's the emotional question. And then there are lots of shows like so Breaking Bad, you know, what is good and what is bad, right? So when you look at storylines, like if you're if you are a Breaking Bad fan, like Hank's wife Marie has a klept is a klepto right kleptomania actually it's like she steals things, right? This is her little problem, right? So is she a criminal, right? Is that bad? Skylar cheats on her husband. Is that bad? What's bad? It was Walter White evil, or is that just bad? There's a constant, constant, um exploration into the gray area of good and bad the good and bad binary is constantly explored in breaking bad so hank hank is good right hank cannot be corrupted he cannot be corrupted but he is an asshole (laughs) same thing right along those lines and so when you're thinking about your television shows, you, you shouldn't just be thinking about plot. You should be thinking about emotional questions so that I care about the plot. And then not all TV shows have a theme. Not all movies have a theme. But if you if the theme is there, if you're writing about something, by all means, get it on the page. In every nook and cranny, this is what I'm writing about. When you When you have that piece of gold, it makes everything richer and easier um a lot of stuff that's written for you know pure entertainment value right you don't have to have this this theme but it's nice if you do yeah and that'll do it that's that's a very general overview of television it's all in one place it's here on the podcast you can always find it i hope it was helpful if you have any questions about this, you can always reach out to me. I do a QA and a on Clubhouse every Friday. You can reach out to me on Instagram and DM me with any questions. I'm always willing to answer questions. And I'll uh, see you next time.